Hello, and welcome to the Rugby Gods podcast. I'm John Keenan. No my harimai. Today is December 13th, and now let's talk some rugby. Alright, so coming to you on a Sunday night, which is a little bit different for, for me, uh, but hopefully you enjoy it. Um, and yeah, just using the opportunity to, to have a go, have a, a quick uh, podcast on a Sunday night. So we'll see how this goes. Uh, what am I going to talk about? Uh, it's going to be an all-black season review. I think that's uh, what I want to get off my uh, chest. Uh, sort of been hoping to do something like this maybe a couple of weeks ago. Certainly hoping to do something like this for the uh, Bledisloe Cup series and kind of review that, uh, say, maybe a month ago. Um, but kind of just didn't have the time, didn't have, uh, just didn't turn up, didn't happen. So now I'm just going to do a full season review, go through, you know, so game by game, and, uh, you know, give my thoughts on it. So, uh, yeah, let's make a start. I think I'll be keeping this podcast fairly quick. Um, so the All Black season started with uh, the Bledisloe Cup. And the Bledisloe Cup this year was a four-test series. Uh, games one and two in New Zealand, and then games three and four in Australia, also doubling as uh, Tri-Nations slash Rugby Championship games. So, you know, let's make a start there. So, you know, Australia had to come over, um, obviously, in this 2020 season, this 2020 environment. Uh, they had to do quarantine uh, to get into New Zealand and then, you know, prep or, you know, get ready for their match. So they were over with uh, plenty of time to spare. Um, and, yeah, the uh, first test was upon us. It was in Wellington. Uh, and the result was 16 all, which I think was pretty surprising to uh, most people in the rugby world. Uh, I think most people were looking, you know, New Zealand at home, obviously, um, and then New Zealand having, you know, really great preparation in terms of having their Super Rugby Aotearoa season and also uh, having, um, sorry, uh, the North-South match that they were able to play as well, which was, you know, also in a way kind of like an All Blacks trial. Um, so, you know, they had a lot of good preparation, uh, you know, in the lead-up to that, uh, or that first match. Uh, and obviously, like I just said, you know, Australia having to go through sort of uh, the unexpected or the unknown, which was, you know, sort of like team quarantine in New Zealand, meaning that they had to arrive a lot earlier than usual. Uh, but it obviously played pretty favourably for Australia, uh, getting that 16-0 result in Wellington in Bledisloe Cup 1. Uh, yeah, a big shock, a big surprise. Um, you know, pretty awful conditions. Uh, I think that was definitely a bit of a leveller. Um, you know, you would, again, you would probably think, you know, like bad conditions, you know, bad sort of, uh, you know, basically wintry conditions uh, in Wellington, you know, you would think that that would favour the All Blacks, but really it just kind of levelled the match out. Um, the All Blacks were certainly pretty strong in the first half, even probably the first sort of 50 minutes of that match certainly looked like the All Blacks were, you know, pretty comfortable, uh, but they didn't really build scoreboard pressure. They certainly missed uh, some kickable opportunities. Uh, and obviously, uh, Rico Ioane missed that infamous try, which uh, right on half time, which you know really would have put the All Blacks out to probably a lead that they wouldn't have surrendered, and probably a fair reflection of the first half. Uh, he dropped the ball over the line, uh, as probably most of you know. Uh, it was a you know a pretty famous uh, sort of a highlight slash low light for Rico Ioane this year in 2020, um, and that certainly kept the game alive uh, going into the second half. Uh, but, you know, even that first sort of 15, 20 minutes or first 10, 15 minutes after half time, the All Blacks still looked very solid, uh, scored a second try uh, and did look in control. 
but Australia, you know, really came back hard into it and had a really good 15, 20 minutes going into sort of the final, you know, 5, 10 minutes of the game. And in fact, were good enough to take a lead, which was, you know, very unexpected. Uh, you know, All Blacks got a late penalty to uh, even it up at 16 apiece. Uh, and then Reese Hodge had one final crack from, uh, you know, 55 metres plus, uh, like I said, in you know, pretty trying conditions. Uh, kicked the penalty very well, uh, hit the upright, hit the post, uh, but didn't go over. Uh, and then there was an absolute lolly scramble uh, as both teams tried to force the issue for about something like seven or eight minutes after, um, you know, the 80-minute full time. So, you know, played a huge amount of extra time. The ball, you know, went into each team's 22. It was very exciting, but eventually, in the end, you know, Australia kicked it out and said, you know, yeah, we'll take the 16-all draw. Uh, you know, it was pretty epic. It was very interesting. Um, no doubt, um, you know, great for a neutral, uh, but pretty disappointing for both Australian and New Zealand fans. Uh, probably New Zealand fans more than, you know, anyone. Uh, so, yeah, uh, definitely a really good first game. Uh, put the All Blacks on notice, um, you know, that there was not a considerable gulf between, you know, New Zealand players and Australian players basically playing in isolation from each other in, you know, two different super rugby competitions. The gap was a lot closer than, you know, everybody was thinking. Certainly put them on notice, like I said, and, um, you know, we had a blockbusting, or we certainly had a setup to what should or could have been, you know, a really blockbusting uh, second test in Australia, uh, sorry, in Auckland, not in Australia. Um, and how did that play out? Well, Bledisloe 2 uh, was certainly pretty dominant for the All Blacks. Uh, you know, beautiful conditions, Sunday afternoon rugby uh, up in Auckland, and the All Blacks won at 27-7 at their fortress, Eden Park. Um, again, that game, you know, perhaps it could have been a little bit closer, could or should have been a little bit closer. Um, the refereeing decisions were correct, uh, but it was just uh, unfortunate or unlucky sort of execution from the, from the Wallabies in that second half, they had two really good try scoring opportunities and you'd have to say, you know, well done, fair play to, for the All Blacks to, uh, you know, hold them up. Uh, sorry, in fact, it wasn't a held up, I think it was a double movement uh, from an Australian player and then like a hold up, uh, put him into touch on the Kotobiti uh, try in the corner. So, you know, taking one or certainly both of those opportunities certainly would have had, you know, Australia far more back into the match, you know, in that last sort of like five, ten minutes. It would have made it probably a fairer reflection of the game and a lot more exciting. Uh, as it was, it was essentially the Caleb Clark show, um, and, you know, you know, New Zealand ran out and very dominant over Australia there. So, you know, that gave them uh, a win and a draw at home, uh, heading back over to Australia for, you know, the second part of the series. Um, so yeah, well, if we move into that, um, you know, game three, Bledisloe three, uh, doubled as basically Tri-Nations game one, or round one, uh, and the, that was from Sydney, uh, and the All Blacks were just supreme, uh, especially in that first half. I think they got themselves out to something like 26-0 in the first half. Uh, there was a pretty quick response after halftime from Australia, uh, and then the carnage basically just continued. Uh, and it ended up being 43-5 to the All Blacks in Sydney. Uh, and so that gave them, you know, a 2-0 lead in the best of four series, which meant that, uh, you know, the Bledisloe Cup was retained, uh, won for the first time in a long time on Australian soil uh, and retained. Uh, so, you know, that was probably a high point of the All Blacks season there. 
obviously a pretty rusty, slow start. Uh, probably should have lost, perhaps, in that first match uh, in Wellington. Uh, found a way to draw it, uh, and then, you know, back-to-back -back convincing wins in both Auckland and Sydney to retain the Bledisloe Cup. Sort of seemed like, you know, the All Blacks were on a big roll uh, at that point. Um, but the All Blacks had the backup in Bledisloe 4, uh, which was basically Tri-Nations Game 2, uh, or Round 2, uh, and it was a little bit of a dead rubber. They'd obviously taken a maximum five points, uh, basically five competition points to zero, uh, out of their first round match or the uh, Bledisloe 3 match against Australia as well. So the All Blacks were perhaps a little bit down on motivation. They certainly tinkered with their team as well uh, and they paid the price uh, as Australia was good enough to respond and win 24-22 uh, in that uh, second round match or Bledisloe 4. Um, you know, quite key though for New Zealand was uh, a late fight back. It was certainly too little too late but they managed to get a converted try, get back within seven points and pick up a losing bonus point, which, uh, you know, in the scheme of the tournament as it unfolded was, you know, quite important. Uh, but, you know, well done Australia to respond there in, you know, what was, you'd have to say, a little bit of a dead rubber. Uh, although, you know, obviously it doubled as a Tri-Nations, you know, round two match, so New Zealand probably should have been better. Uh, the game was marred by red cards for both teams and yellow cards for both teams, so... It was definitely, um, you know, like, no, it was just, you know, it was a, it was a little bit of a, a topsy-turvy, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a shambles, really. Um, I wouldn't say the refereeing was terrible, uh, but it was certainly uh, letter of the law stuff, and, you know, it perhaps ruined the game uh, in some ways. Uh, but, you know, can't take it away from Australia, that was a really great fight uh, to win that Bledisloe 4 match and, you know, really keep the Tri-Nations alive. Um, so basically, yeah, Australia took a break then uh, in terms of around three of the Tri-Nations. New Zealand, uh, you know, kept on rolling and had a third match in a row uh, for the Tri-Nations, or around three, and that was against Argentina. Uh, so fifth match of the year, first against Argentina and third of the Tri-Nations. Uh, and, you know, I think, again, you know, most people were thinking Argentina just basically had, you know, very limited or, or basically no preparation or, or just bad preparation uh, leading into that match. How are they going to go against, you know, New Zealand uh, after, you know, 27-7 in Auckland and 43-5 in Sydney? It was looking like, you know, the All Blacks were going to roll on um, and, you know, you know, be very dominant, especially as they, you know, brought back essentially their starting team. As I said, they, they kind of rejigged the team, rotated a little bit for that Bledisloe 4 match. Um, and so, you know, it was basically a full-strength All Blacks, uh, and, you know, Argentina was under the pump, or, you know, everybody thought that they were under the pump. As it turned out, Argentina played incredible. Uh, they took all their opportunities and were just amazing in, def in defence, uh, and Nico, uh, Nico Sanchez showed his class from 10 uh, and scored all 25 points, and Argentina got their first ever win over the All Blacks, 25-15. Uh, so that was a huge boil over, uh, and that obviously meant that the All Blacks had gone back-to-back uh, -back losses, uh, and the Tri-Nations was certainly uh, open for everybody. Uh, but, you know, most importantly, I guess Australia sitting there in the pocket looking at that and thinking, yes, you know, we've got the opportunity now to go forward and have two shots, uh, you know, at Argentina. Uh, you know, with New Zealand going back-to-back -back losses, uh, and in fact being blanked in terms of competition points in that match as well because they lost by 10 uh, and it could you know, possibly have been even more as there was a late try to Caleb Clark there 
just to uh, you know make things maybe look a little bit more respectable. Uh, so you know, basically, you know, the All Black season had gone from you know two wins, two very convincing wins, Bledisloe Cup wins, and a, and a, and a retention. Um, you know, they'd gone to back-to-back -back losses there, uh, and things were looking uh, disastrous. Um, as things played out, though, um, Australia was not good enough uh, to get a win over Argentina in the round four, Tri-Nations round four match. They played out a draw, which gave New Zealand um, a lifeline. It was basically the perfect result for New Zealand. Uh, and then that basically meant that uh, round five was the return match, or the second match against Argentina. Uh, and New Zealand still very much had, um, you know, basically destiny in their own hands. Um, if they could essentially put on a good performance, you know, beat Argentina and pick up a competition bonus point, i.e. five competition points, they were pretty much going to leave the competition uh, as front runners and as, you know, the winners. Uh, and that's pretty much what happened. Uh, so in that round five match, the second match against Argentina, the response match, uh, the All Blacks final match of the season, uh, they were good enough to put Argentina away 38-0, uh, which was, you know, a really impressive performance. So, um, yeah, that was pretty much the season. Um, you know, obviously a huge amount of sort of up and down and roller coaster in there, um, you know, and basically, you know, played six, won three, lost two, and drew one. So, you know, pretty interesting kind of season. Um, certainly a lot to dissect um, as, a, as a commentator or like as a supporter following it. Uh, but there were a lot of positives. Um, and I think one thing you've got to look at there is the fact that, you know, in this coronavirus world, you know, no team is really, no team is really prepared um, as for, you know, how to prepare for a match when you have to come over with, you know, large periods of quarantine time, um, you know, and nobody really knew how that would play out in terms of team dynamics. Uh, as, it, as it was shown, uh, it sort of seemed to actually be very favourable for the team that was in quarantine. They sort of had uh, favourable results coming out of it. Um, that was certainly the case for Australia with the Bledisloe Cup 1 draw in New Zealand, and it was certainly the case for um, Argentina in their Tri-Nations Round 3 uh, first ever victory over the All Blacks. Um, and I mean, I guess you could say the same as well for when the All Blacks turned up for Bledisloe 3, you know, they were incredibly efficient there in Sydney as well. So, you know, coronavirus sort of quarantine conditions sort of actually plays or seems to play very well for team dynamics uh, in a game like rugby. Uh, so that was sort of an interesting surprise, uh, maybe out of, um, you know, preparation uh, in this new look kind of world that we're living in at present. Um, so, you know, the All Blacks, you know, were on the wrong side of that a couple of times, but they were also on the right side of that um, at least once as well. Uh, so, yeah, and, and I think you'd have to say that basically no other team in the world, well, yeah, I, I don't really feel like you really got those sort of coronavirus quarantine conditions uh, playing out so much uh, up north uh, in their sort of uh, autumn championship. Uh, things that sort of settled down in quarantine conditions were a little bit different, basically, to what sort of Argentina, Australia and New Zealand were going through in the Southern Hemisphere. So, you know, hopefully moving forward in 2021, um, you know, the international rugby goes back to, um, you know, a more uh, conventional schedule and, you know, quarantine issues are a lot less than they were this year. And I think that will be good. Uh, well, certainly I think it will be good for the All Blacks uh, as it will give teams... Uh, that are playing them, uh, basically less preparation time together, less bonding time together, 
which, you know, like I just said before, was certainly favourable to Australia and Argentina in their first up games against the All Blacks. But yeah, um, difficult to put too much of a good spin uh, on the season. Uh, you know, three wins from six games is not really a good season for the All Blacks uh, or All Black supporters. I guess we generally expect a little bit more than that. But you know, uh, what did it? Um, you know, what did that? What did those results? You know, what fruit did that bear? Well, uh, it ended up meaning that you know New Zealand retained the Bledisloe Cup and they retained it with a game to spare. So that's quite impressive uh, in a four-game series. And it also means, um, you know, due to Argentina and Australia having two draws against each other, uh, New Zealand was good enough with two of those bonus point wins against both Australia and Argentina. They were uh, good enough to kind of comfortably win the Tri-Nations in the end. So basically New Zealand came away with all the silverware on offer, uh, even though they had a fairly terrible record for the season. Um, so yeah, just to finish off with a few players, I guess, um, maybe just uh, some positives and negatives for the All Blacks uh, for the season. Uh, looking at the backs and looking at the forwards, who do I think are some players that you know certainly made hay uh, out of 2020 and maybe a couple of players that are on the outer or you know perhaps have some work to do for 2021, just in my opinion. So yeah, I'm just going to go through, maybe I'm just going to look at maybe three players in the backs uh, and three players in the forwards. Uh, no doubt you could add to it or, you know, you'll have your own thoughts. And, uh, you know, please feel free to message me if you think I've missed anybody out or, uh, you know, you disagree with uh, my thoughts. So yeah, I'm going to start in the backs uh, and focus on the positives first. Um, so, you know, who stamped their mark or, you know, like who, who basically had, you know, a stellar season for the All Blacks? Well, I think you've got to start with Caleb Clark. Uh, a breakout game uh, in Game 2 in Auckland. Uh, it was needed um, for, from, from the All Blacks. They needed it, and they got it from him. Uh, and he was just strong um, you know, throughout the campaign. Uh, he was pretty reasonable. Um, also, even in you know, the New Zealand loss to Argentina. Uh, and you know, he was just busy, and he was just in the right places and doing the right things. Uh, you know, and he got a lot of starts for the year as well. So, you know, um, he's definitely on the rise, had an amazing uh, 2020, uh, you know, with the Blues, uh, especially the back end of, you know, the Super Rugby Aotearoa competition, forced his way into the All Blacks, got many starts, as I said, uh, and then, you know, really took a lot of his opportunities as well. So, you know, Caleb Clark was a definite positive for the All Blacks in the backs. Uh, I would also say Will Jordan uh, was a positive as well. Now his game time was a lot more limited uh, and his first appearance was marred by uh, sort of an injury slash head injury uh, so basically he got on quite late uh, and just didn't really make uh, any contribution due to injury um, but he did get a shot against Argentina uh, in the final match uh, basically the uh, Tri-Nations round 5 match or the All Blacks 6 match of the season, their final match uh, and he picked up uh, two very good tries in the second half and those were two key tries for the All Blacks as they were sitting comfortably in terms of the uh, game position but they still hadn't picked up um, you know their bonus try uh, at that point he was good enough to give them their third try which gave them a bonus point he was good enough to pick up a fourth try an intercept try uh, very quickly after that and pretty much you know assure well obviously assure the victory uh, in the match for the All Blacks but also pretty much ensure that they were going to win the match and also get the, uh, the competition bonus point as well, which was what they really needed. 
so you know he looks you know really good uh, in that final match, and I think he's going to take a lot of confidence out of that into his Crusaders play in twenty twenty one, and I think he's definitely going to perhaps get a few more looks uh, than he did in twenty twenty. Um, so just for a negative. Um, not really going to focus on a player uh, who played as such, uh, but it would have to be, well, for me, it would have to be Sibir Reese. Uh, you know, Sibir Reese came into the 2020 season as essentially one of the All Blacks' starting wingers, along with George Bridge, but essentially he got no game time uh, in the entire All Blacks season. Uh, so he's certainly fallen down the picking order. Um, you would have to say, not really through any fault of his own, but more just uh, just by what the other players are demanding. You know, the fact that you've got players like Bowden Barrett, um, you know, being started at fullback. You've got his brother Geordie uh, also, you know, commanding a spot in the back three. Uh, like I've said, you've got Caleb Clark, you've got Will Jordan. You even had the versatility of Damien McKenzie, who was sort of at times covering sort of maybe anywhere from 10 out uh, in the team. Um, so Severis, you know, he really... Um, yeah, he was very unfortunate, I think. You know, he just had extremely limited game time. He didn't even get a look in the team uh, in that, uh, that final game of the season. Again, Will Jordan preferred over him, and then Will Jordan you know, really took that opportunity and ran with it. So, you know, Severis has a lot of work to do in 2021. It's not really uh, so much about himself, but it's more just uh, he needs to just you know, put his hand up more. He just needs to get his, his face, or get, he needs to get his foot back in the door if you will, uh, around the all-black camp. So um, not really a negative on his play, but just uh, a little bit of a negative in terms of where he would have perhaps uh, finished the season last year and or started this season and, you know, where he's ending it. If we go into the forwards, uh, again, I'm going to have a look at three players and I'll start with the positives and finish with the negative. Uh, so, you know, positives for the all-blacks. Uh, I think you've got to say Hoskins Satutu. Um, you know, he really looks like he can be that sort of 6-8 enforcer that the All Blacks want, but he can also be that 6-8 like special player, like offensively capable player that the All Blacks kind of need and want as well. So he can work in tandem with Adi Savia or he can work, uh, you know, in a, in a duo, if you will. Um, so, you know, I think Hoskins Satutu has a really bright future uh, over the next, say, three years, looking towards 2023. Uh, and I think, you know, 2020 was great for him. Um, obviously, Akira Ioane would be a pretty good shout there as well, but I believe Hoskins Satutu is kind of ahead of him in that sort of uh, hard man, big man uh, picking order. Uh, you'd have to say, I guess, uh, Shannon Frizzell has perhaps, you know, slipped down that picking order as well. But, you know, what a great position for the All Blacks to be in, having the likes of Hoskins Satutu, who can play 6 8 Kerugiwani, who can play 6-8, Shannon Frizzell, who can play 6, and then, of course, Adi Savia, who can play 6-7 uh, and 8. So, you know, the All Blacks are building some really nice, you know, rotational power uh, in that back row. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, Sam, Sam Kane basically had his first uh, season as, as All Blacks captain as well. He's now got that under his belt. Uh, and although his club performances for the Chiefs were not particularly outstanding and there were certainly some question marks about should he even be in the team, should he be starting, should he be the captain. Uh, I think his leadership on the field actually was very positive and very good uh, for most of the All Black season. So the All Blacks looking you know, really good uh, in that back row uh, with, those, with those players uh, that they can certainly develop 
pretty much all of them uh, all the way through uh, until 2023, which is going to be a big area uh, that they need uh, to certainly have uh, you know dominance over other teams in. Uh, yeah, so uh, who else was a positive? Well, I'm going to go with Dane Coles uh, because I think Dane Coles essentially had an injury-free uh, sort of all-black season, uh, if you will. It was you know, obviously pretty truncated. He still had some injury problems for uh, the Hurricanes, uh, his club team, but by the end of the season, by the time of the all-black season, uh, you know, Coles was pretty rested, pretty fit, and he got through basically the entire uh, campaign, if you will, uh, in really good condition. Uh, and certainly by the end of it, or even by the middle of it, uh, he was basically the All Blacks, you know, number one hooker. So he certainly, he had come back and usurped Cody Taylor, who I believe, you know, over, you know, 2019, 2018, had taken his opportunities very well. Um, you know, he was playing very well, and Coles was injured a lot, and he had certainly become, you know, the All Blacks' number one hooker, um, and started the season as such. But, you know, quite early uh, in the six games that the All Blacks played, um, you know, Dan Coles became the guy. Uh, and I think, um, you know, there was an interesting statistic um, that showed the All Blacks uh, line-out went from something like 10th best in the world to perhaps the best functioning line-out in the world, uh, you know, throughout 2020. I believe that was a stat that I read. I might have gotten that a little bit wrong. But basically, you know, at the end of the World Cup 2019, the All Blacks had a pretty dysfunctional line-out going on. Um, and obviously, line-outs are fairly technical. You know, you have hookers involved in throwing in. You have, you know, line-out jumping options. Uh, and you have lifters. So, you know, there's a lot that can go wrong there. It's always a little bit hard to just blame it on one player. But usually, the hooker kind of takes uh, the majority of the lion's share of the blame if it's not working well. Um, and, you know, basically, at the end of 2019, I guess Cody Taylor's you know all-round game was amazing, but his kind of core roles, one of them being uh, a line-out throwing, was pretty weak. Uh, as the All Blacks were down somewhere like tenth best line-out in the world, uh, Dan Coles has obviously come back into things in 2020, and he's rectified that, uh, and the All Blacks line-out is going much better. So you know I think that's another positive for the All Blacks having a, an old salt like Dan Coles, uh, kind of like back to his best. And then obviously having somebody of the class of Cody Taylor uh, to push him and or start uh, some games as well. Uh, the All Blacks are certainly returning to you know some high quality uh, hooking stocks. Uh, so just to finish off with a negative for the for the bat, uh, sorry for the forwards, uh, the All Black forwards. Who do I find to be a negative? Uh, well, I think you've got to look at Scott Barrett. Um, I think Scott Barrett has some issues uh, just in terms of he's a very versatile player. He plays most of his rugby. Uh, at lock uh, for the Crusaders, uh, but obviously he's capable of playing six as well, uh, and obviously the All Blacks have enjoyed that, they've wanted to use that quite a lot over the last couple of years, last couple of seasons, uh, but just like I said, now there's a real legitimate uh, you know, log jam at six when you've got the likes of uh, Satutu, Akira Yuane, and Shannon Frizzell. Um, you know, you've got a lot of quality there at six, and even potentially Adi Salvia, uh, so that really kind of says, you know, you don't really need uh, Scott Barrett to be that six guy. Um, it's covered by many other players. Um, and then, you know, you have a look at the locks. And, you know, this season the All Blacks were without Brody Retallick. They'll have him back for 2021. Um, you know, Sam Whitelock is, is amazing as always. Um, and, you know, even uh, Patrick Tuipilotu has really taken on the Blues captaincy and run with it and had a, a fantastic Blues season, but also All Black season. 
uh, and then you have the, the likes of uh, Tupo Va'i, uh, you know, being kind of bedded into the All Blacks, a very, very young uh, talent with, you know, many years in front of him. Uh, and then you also have the likes of somebody like Cullen Grace, uh, you know, around the fringes of the All Blacks as well. So, you know, Scott Barrett is starting to be, uh, I think, have some issues in terms of can he genuinely force his way in as a lock? Can he genuinely force his way in as a six? And if he can't do either of those things, do, do the All Blacks really want to have like a swingman, i.e. someone backing up the locks that can play six? Or do they want to really go in with a genuine, you know, backup lock, the likes of Tui Pelotu or Va'i? And do they want to go in with a genuine like 6-8, like uh, Hoskins Satutu and or Akira Yuane, backing up, say, perhaps Shannon Frizzell or Adi Savia? Uh, so, you know, if they are going to go down that sort of latter route, uh, I feel like, you know, uh, a bit of a negative or a bit of a loser out of things would have to be Scott Barrett. Um, and also, uh, just one more negative for him. I, I don't want to be too negative on individuals here, but uh, another problem that he really does need to work on uh, is his, um, uh, what would you say, like basically just the penalties that he gives away. Like too often, uh, he's doing things off of the ball. He's just doing silly little negative things off of the ball. He's not playing hard. He's not playing fair. He's just doing illegal professional foul things. Uh, and he was certainly picked up for a yellow card uh, in the All Blacks loss to Australia. Uh, that was a really, really poor yellow card to give away at a very um, you know, important time in the game. So he really needs to you know, work on that discipline and not be giving away those kind of you know, poor very low-value professional fouls, and he really needs to, I think, you know, make a decision or, you know, talk with his coaches, etc., and say, hey, I need some serious game time at lock, you know, to prove that I can be maybe one of the top two, top three locks in New Zealand, because I don't really feel like his versatility, the ability to play six, I don't really feel like that's needed uh, at present, uh, just with the quality that the All Blacks have kind of built there over the last year or two. So yeah, those are a couple of players there. Uh, maybe I'll just quickly recap that. Uh, my shout-outs in terms of the backs and a couple of uh, you know, up-and-coming uh, players for basically for the next World Cup cycle. You'd have to say uh, Caleb Clark and Will Jordan. Uh, Sevi Reese with some work to do from the outside. And then in the forwards, I would say Hoskins Satutu uh, and the return of a quality uh, Dane Coles uh, with Scott Barrett with a lot of work to do. Uh, you know, uh, just working out exactly how he fits into an All Blacks team. So yeah, there you go. Um, mostly just had a bit of a look around the games, right, and just sort of, you know, a quick review there, not really any stats to talk about. Uh, just kind of wanted to narrate it uh, and then just give you my thoughts on a few different players uh, inside of the setup and how they're travelling. Uh, obviously there's uh, plenty more players uh, that you could talk about than just those six but I thought I'd limit it to that as I'm pretty much at 30 minutes now and that's uh, probably a good time for me to peace out and say thanks a lot. So yeah, uh, hopefully you enjoyed that uh, quick little review uh, and yeah, uh, if you did, uh, hopefully you can find me on Facebook. Uh, if you go, if you type in the Rugby Gods podcast, you should find a Facebook page, if that's mine. Please give it a like, uh, you know, send me a message or a comment, that would be great. Um, if you're listening to this on Anchor FM and or Spotify, uh, there should be a link to that Facebook page uh, in the notes or, you know, on the web page. Um, yeah, so those are good things. Um, and that's pretty much how I get my content out, 
is uh, through that Facebook page uh, and through Anchor FM, uh, which you know automatically updates it onto Spotify uh, and Google Podcasts and a few other you know like podcasting platforms. So you know, please give me a review, give me a like, subscribe to me uh, wherever you're listening uh, if you enjoyed that. So yeah, um, just in terms of what's going to happen, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks. Uh, I think I'm going to continue to do a couple more sort of like review uh, kind of or like, you know, fairly like broad um, sort of topic uh, podcasts as, you know, the sort of operational sort of week to week games have kind of finished in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, so another podcast that I'll hopefully get out quite soon will be uh, looking at the New Zealand Super Rugby squads for 2021 as they were announced in early December. Uh, and there's a lot of players to talk about um, and obviously you know there's a lot of permutations as to uh, who were winners and losers in, in, in terms of players but who were winners and losers in terms of you know the, the, the clubs and you know what can we expect maybe uh, from those uh, New Zealand Super Rugby teams in uh, Super Rugby Aotearoa 2021 uh, which is also going to include you know crossover matches with uh, Australian Super Rugby teams so yeah, it should be a really exciting 2021 season. So yeah, looking forward to uh, hopefully getting a podcast the next week uh, out about the Super Rugby uh, 2021 squads for New Zealand. So yeah, that's it from me. Thanks a lot for listening. Uh, I hope uh, things are going well in your life. I hope uh, you're doing good things and I hope some good things are happening for you as well. So yeah, I've uh, got a piece out there. Uh, Araha nui, uh, big love to everybody. Uh, I hope uh, your Christmas preparations are uh, going well. And, you know, end of, this, end of the year, we're only like two or three weeks away from saying goodbye to 2020, which I guess in most people's minds is probably a pretty good thing. And hopefully, you know, 2021 is going to be uh, bigger and better. So, yeah, thanks a lot. I'll talk to you soon. And, yeah, take care. Bye-bye.